All right, do me a favor, take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. And I must say, what's with all the maroon? That's all you're getting from me, all right? We're moving on. We're moving on. You had your moment. Uh, you know, Rob McClellan uh, is was, was an Aggie, and he's on staff, and he makes sure we all know it. And last night he said they won that game, and he ran and jumped in his pool, fully clothed. <laughs> so be sure to ask him what's wrong with him uh, later. <laughs> hey, I want to mention one thing before we, we get, uh, get going in Ephesians. We are about to have a big blowout block party right here on our South Austin campus for the first time in two years. Food trucks, bounce houses for kids. We have a petting farm coming. And yes, there are goats that faint. Never seen that before. And y'all know Pastor Casey's so excited about fainting goats, right? And he's going to try to make one faint, apparently. Uh, so you don't want to miss it. But more than that, Tori, y'all know? Tori, incredible singer, right? But y'all don't probably know that she's a part of a group, uh, a singing group in town. And they have what's called a Motown Monday. And so my wife and I was like, let's go see what that sets like, you know. So we went to this place right over here by 35, and they were doing Motown Mondays. And y'all, it rocked. It was so much fun. They were so good. Well, they're going to be coming to Block Party. And I'm telling you, bring your lawn chairs, bring your friends, because it is it is energy, 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 man. It is Motown. It is awesome. I can't wait for y'all to experience that. Food, fun, it's going to be great. Invite a friend. The whole reason we do Block Party is so that we say to our community, we're normal. You know, uh, come, you know, come have some fun with us this fall. Uh, we would love to meet friends. We establish relationships with people. We want our community to come and benefit from it. And that's the whole, the whole goal for that. So, so please partake, uh, take advantage of that. Volunteer. We need help with watching bounce houses and stuff. Just make sure nobody gets seriously injured, you know, that kind of thing. We do need some help. So y'all go sign up on the Sign Up Genius. You should get that in your Friday email. So just uh, be a part of that. We have, uh, that's next Sunday, by the way. This is, this is one week away. So we need help. And, um, and uh, so be planning for that. Put it on your calendar and make sure to be here. Four to seven next, next week, okay? All right, I'm going to read the entire first chapter of Ephesians. If you know anything about Ephesians, you know, and I know, that I could preach three years every Sunday from this one chapter. I know I could do it. I know I could. And I'm not stretching it. I think I know I could do it because it's so power packed with gospel truth and incredible things that are located in this one chapter. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to you all in 30 minutes. Y'all laugh at 30 minutes. Yeah, right. 30 minutes. But I'm going to read it all the way through. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just, hopefully you've had your coffee and your mind's awake and you can receive this. But I'm going to read all the way through and I want you to, as best you can, stand under this sort of Niagara Falls of what God wants you to know and try to fill your container as much as you possibly can, okay? Try to apprehend as much as you possibly can in this text. I want you to meditate. I want you to stay down there with me. Don't come up and start thinking about the football game that you forgot to record. Just stay with me, right? Because that's me. Don't stay with me all the way through it. Let's receive fully, as fully as we possibly can, what God has to say here, and then we'll unpack it, okay? So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance." having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." For this reason, because I have heard of your faith and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, And gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask the Lord to unpack this for us. Uh, Father, as Paul prayed here, for the enlightenment of the Spirit. Oh, we need the Holy Spirit desperately. That we would not just hear words on a page. That we would not just hear English words and think about concepts. Oh, Holy Spirit, that you would make it reality in our hearts, our position in Christ. Lord, would you open that? Would you do that work in our midst as we meditate and discuss and talk about what you have for us in Ephesians 1? And we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today we we start a new series. And we're starting in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this letter to the Christians in the city of Ephesus. And Paul's goal in this book was to do 
um, what he always did. And, and the main thing is root believers deeply in their identity in Christ. And Paul followed a pattern of doing this, as he did in much of his epistles. Paul would start his letter in the stratosphere of theology. And it feels high, it feels lofty, it feels out there. And because it is, that's where he's starting. And all of this language feels so high. It feels like you're on top of a, of a, of a, of a peak and the oxygen is thin and the, and the view is grand and, and there's big, big things being thrown around here. Uh, and it takes a while for us to unpack it and it's hard to understand. And, and all of that is what's happening. And he starts there in all, almost all of his letters, okay? But then what you'll find as you progress through the letter, he comes down the peak, if you will, into the valleys of where the rubber meets the road in the do's and the don'ts of Christianity. But Paul will never start with the do's and the don'ts because you know with Paul, it's not, all, it's not just about the do's and the don'ts. It's really about who we are in Christ, who God is, who we are, what God has done, what he says for us to do. And we always work from theology into the practical, how to live our lives what to do. And you'll find at the end, the last three chapters in Ephesians is those things, husbands and wives and kids, and here's how we're to do things in life. And here's the things that should, should shape our choices and, and things such as this. And so there are three goals that I see in Ephesians chapter one that I would like for you in, to embrace with me uh, here today. And, and I know these aren't on the screen, so screen guys, don't worry too much about this. I just want to lay them out for you so that you know where we're going. We're going to see three goals for this chapter. Number one, understand the power of your identity. Secondly, receive the reality of your identity. Thirdly, respond to the revelation of your identity. So first, understand the power of your identity. We need to understand that the way we view ourselves, as the subtitle of this series declares, affects everything about us. Identity is powerful in our life. Um, in, in 1851, there was a boat race that started, and it started over in England. And uh, it was basically a yacht race, a sailboat race. And they were, um, they were sailing around a particular island that year, and it was the very first year of the America's Cup. Are you familiar with the America's Cup? I'm not a yacht guy, but, uh, but apparently this is a very, very popular race. And the winner of that very first race was a boat named America. And so we have America's Cup, America, the, the yacht America wins it, and America was from a yacht club in America in New York. The New York Yacht Club, listen to this, this is crazy, the New York Yacht Club was responsible for uh, defending the cup for 132 years. Aggies, y'all beat Bama last night? They beat Bama 132 years in a row, all right? I'm not trying to belittle your victory, but the New York Yacht Club was responsible for 132 years of defending the cup. They won. No one else beat them. Uh, it's, it's really an amazing, amazing feat until 1983. Uh, the streak was broken, and it was broken by Australia. And um, it was a milestone moment for the entire country of Australia. That year, the crew was awarded Athlete of the Year by ABC Wild World, World of Sports. Australia, the country of Australia, declared that day as a national holiday. 
How did they break the 132-year curse? Well, three years before the race in 1980, the, 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 um, the, the crew skipper uh, got into a studio and he recorded a mock radio broadcast of the actual race that is to happen three years from that point. And in that mock radio broadcast, he put the voices all together and it was as if it was a live portrayal of the actual race in 1983. And in the entire mock radio broadcast, he had Australia winning the race the whole time. So the, he makes this mock radio broadcast and then he takes it to every crew member and he has every crew member listen to that recording entirely twice a day for three years. That is 2,190 times that they had to listen to this radio broadcast. So how did they break a 132-year losing streak? They began to believe the script they were listening to. You know, uh, as Christians, we, we tend to believe everything about Jesus in the Bible. Like, yeah, Jesus is who he says he is. God said what God has done, all of those things. But where we often have difficulty to fully believe is those places where the Bible tells us who we are. And we might just say, oh, that's just too much. I don't know that that's me. I mean, that's the general people out there. And that's some really godly people. It may, it may apply to others, but, but not but me. But me. And, and the reason why this is a problem is because as the subtitle of this series declares, what you believe about you affects everything about you. What you believe about your existence, what you believe about your future, what you believe about your value, what you believe about your purpose will trickle down into to the deepest recesses of your heart and it will take over every aspect of your being and it will dominate the outcomes in your life at every single level. Your identity is that powerful. And you need to understand the way you view yourself is a very powerful force in your life. The script that you listen to about you will affect everything about you. And that's why I believe Paul starts in Ephesians 1 with overwhelming you with who you are and what you have in Christ. It is a glorious picture, and it's one that you need to know, and you need to take in, and you need to root your identity. Everything you think about yourself, make sure that God is aligning that in your heart. And then the second thing, receive the reality of your identity. Receive the reality of your identity. In our modern culture, we are having an identity formation crisis I believe we have this identity crisis going on in, in our culture because we, we, we are thinking about identity crisis in the wrong way, identity formation in the, wrong, in the wrong way. A couple of things we need to know here. Number one, we receive our identity from outside ourselves. Our culture will tell you, look within, find yourself. You determine who you are first, and then when you feel like you have a a grip on who you are, then you begin to go outside of yourself and you expect others around you to accept that reality that you see yourself as. We as human beings don't create our own identity. We're not wired to create our own identity any more than we birthed ourselves, we named ourselves, we chose our eye color, 
We chose our skin color. We chose the day in which we would be born. And we chose the mom that would birth us. Now, none of us had anything to do with any of that. And that is why you have nothing to do with your identity. (laughs) You must find your identity outside yourself because all of those things were given, given to you. You're a created being, and you are wired to look outside yourself for a proper view of yourself. You all needed a mirror this morning. Are you all with me? You needed a mirror because God didn't make you to see you. God, you got to have some help to see you. And if you can't see you, y'all would be a mess this morning. Thank God you had a mirror. But God doesn't make you to see you. God makes you to see him so that you see you. He is the one who gives us our identity. Now, if we try to build an identity of ourselves within ourselves alone, we can create an identity based on what we want to be. Right? I am what I acquire, and I want certain things, and so I begin to build an identity of myself to get the thing. I am what I achieve. I want to accomplish something, and I begin to build an identity of myself for that end and that goal. This is what we can do and we will do as human beings if we say, oh, we determine our own identity. The fastest way for us to become something we aren't is to look inside us as our primary source of our identity and the way we view ourselves. We don't do that. In fact, if you try to do it, you really can't do it. You'll always, you're going to look outside yourself to have a proper identity of yourself. We're just not wired for that. Secondly, we often receive and shape our identity from the wrong sources because we innately look outside ourselves for our proper identity and who we are. We can have a damaged identity because we're listening to the sources around us that are feeding us lies about us and can be damaging us. Things that you hear when you're growing up as a kid, you just took it in. You're weird, you're ugly. You're not pretty enough. You don't fit in. And we don't think about it. We just sort of breathe it into our lungs of identity and we tuck it away and we file it in an identity formation section. And subconsciously, perhaps, we let it just sort of guide us as that's who we are. Because we absorb from the world around us who we are, like it or not. And sometimes, And tragically so, we're listening to the wrong sources. We need to flip the script in those cases. Well, how do you flip the script? You make your number one source that tells you who you are the one who made you. The God who knows all things. The God who knows who you are better than you do and anybody else. He knows you better than you know you. He made you. He chose the times in which you'd be born. He chose the mom that would birth you. He chose those things. He chose the location on this earth. 
as Acts 17 declares. He made you, and he knows who you are, and he knows why he made you, and you get that from anywhere else. You're going to be off. You're going to be off. And Ephesians starts with identity at the highest level, the purest source that we're to get it from. And Ephesians 1 is that Niagara Falls of God trying to come to you by his spirit and make sure that you know who you are and make sure that you're strong in who you are because there's so much bad and damage that can come to you if you go elsewhere. And he overwhelms us in this. And verses 3 to 14 are a giant run-on sentence. It's terrible grammar from Paul. And it's intentional bad grammar. He's a smart guy. He knows better, but he does it anyway. Why? To make a point. 11 solid verses. We put a lot of periods in there in English, not in the Greek. All the way through. One after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. And it's a run-on, run-on, run-on comma because he doesn't want to put a period because someone at a period might go, hey, Paul, what did you mean by? And he goes, no, 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 keep going. Just take this. Take it. Take it. Don't ask questions. Don't come with skepticism. Open your mouth and your heart and drink. Take in everything you can. I want you to know who you are. And it's just overwhelming, overwhelming telling you who you are. He's making a point. I want to go through verse by verse. I spent a lot of time on this, so y'all better pay attention. (laughs) I'm going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to put my summary of the verse in my own words. And I want you to listen to God. I know this is not the inerrant word, inspired word of God. This is my version of it, and so, but take it and listen to my summary. Okay? I'm going to go verse by verse through it. Try to hang with me. And I want you to think about you, not general people out there in general ways. You. Verse 3, every single good thing God has is yours. Verse 4, before the world was created, he chose you to be his child and live for him. Verse 5, God chose to adopt you into his family before you existed. Verse 6, he did it so you would live for his praise as a result. He put us in Christ and all the blessings that go to Jesus are yours. Verse 7, in Jesus God atoned for your sins, which were all future sins, so that he could forgive you entirely for all your sins when you ask for it. Verse 8, God abundantly bathes us in his goodwill and favor continuously. Verse 9, God reveals his will to us and what the mystery of the Messiah is all about so that we can know what he's up to in the world. Verse 10, God reveals to you that Jesus came to restore everything in the universe and you are a part of that cosmic restoration. Verse 11, God also chose beforehand to give you his riches like an inheritance that a child waits to receive from their father. Verse 12, God does this for you to praise him for his grace toward you. Verse 13, God brought the message of his love to you and you heard it and responded by believing. And God sealed you in all of this by giving you his personal presence in your heart. Verse 14, his personal presence is a promise to you, a guarantee, a deposit It's a deposit in your life right now that points to the fullness of those riches that he has for you in the future. 
Paul prays for you and me in verse 15 to 22. So let's continue that line of thinking. Verse 17, God will reveal all of this gospel mystery to you. Verse 18, God will open the eyes of your heart so that you can see the hope that you have. Verse 19, God will reveal to you his great power at work in you. Verse 20, the same power that God exerted in raising Jesus from the dead is the power that is at work in your life. It is from God. Verse 21, that God would show you that you fit into a cosmic work that he's doing and he is bringing it to completion and it's all for your good. Everything that takes place in your life only serves his purposes of bringing the most good to you in your life and ultimately in the end when everything is said and done to be in his presence forever. Verse 22, Christ is your Lord and lover and he is the king of all the earth. No one can defeat him No one can keep his love from you, and no one can keep you from his love. He reigns supreme. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign ruler of every power. Even his enemies play right into his plan for your good, and the worst thing that can possibly happen to you only serves the purpose of his goodness to you in the end. You cannot lose because he cannot lose, and he has you, and he has the world in his hands, and he is in absolute control, and he loves you. Okay, yeah, amen. That's what he's trying to do in in chapter 1. And then everything else is an outflow of you taking that in. Um, Now let me say this. It takes a while for us to dewire our own identity and to rewire our identity in that kind of stuff. That's a process. And you know why it's a process? Because you've got a long way to go till you really know who you are. But the more you come into who you are, the more power you're going to feel, the more value you're going to feel, the more. And here, here let me go all the way to this. If, if it were possible for you 100% this morning to come all the way into this reality of who you are in Christ, you would never sin again. That's how rich these truths are. If we understood the depths of that reality, not just know what is concept, really this is who I am and I felt the reality of it by the Spirit personalized to me and I walk in that, you would never sin again. It possesses that kind of power. And yet many of us, You know, surface reading of Ephesians 1, we respond as if someone just awarded us with a a free appetizer at Applebee's. Cool, thanks. We can't grasp it, perhaps. It's too much. Maybe it's for other people. We begin to clue that maybe not. I don't know about me. You know, maybe for other people. It's too much. I don't even know what it means. Uh, Maybe, that's right. Or, you know what? Or we just don't believe it. Is it really true? Is that really available? Is that real reality? And and you know what? Yeah. If you don't believe what God says about you, there's no way you're going to live in accordance with it. And there's no way you're going to experience the power of it. In fact, Paul even says it in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. He says, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace. What is Ephesians 1 trying to do to you? 
trying to do this to you. God is trying to fill your heart with this. Where you walk in that, man, how do you get it? Believing. Yeah, you don't believe? You don't believe? You're not, this is not going to come. I mean, this is not going to happen without that. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul talked about enlightenment in our hearts, power of the Holy Spirit that you may abound in hope. What is hope? Hope is I'm free. I'm God's. I can't lose. He wins. I win. It's all done. Now I just need to live accordingly. That's hope. It's hope. Perhaps you should do an exercise. Will you uh, do this for me? I want you to go back to Ephesians chapter 1, maybe sometimes this week. And I want you to read it out loud. And here's what I want you to do. Every place where it has the word us, we, you, your, our, okay, insert your name, underline it, underline all those places where it has uh, us, we, you, your, our, any of those places, underline all those terms, and then go back through, read it slowly, and every place where you've underlined it, put your name there. You all with me? I hope that makes sense. I feel like I just confused you. Put your name there, and when you read it out loud, say your name in those places. Give it a shot <laughs> and listen for the Holy Spirit. Listen for God. I'm just telling you, some of you, it's just going to break open a dam and that water is just going to come flooding in your soul, that blessing of God and the reality of it is going to flood your soul. And I would tell you to do it every day. Make Ephesians 1 the script that you live by and listen to for three years twice a day. See what happens in your life in three years. See what happens. The victory and the power and the transformation and the freedom will blow your mind. I know it will. It's what God intends for you. Y'all know Scrooge McDuck? Disney's Christmas Carol is where it all started, but then he kind of just became a character and, and he's in DuckTales. And if you know anything about DuckTales... Um, if you know anything about Scrooge McDuck, every morning he took a swim in his riches. That's coins, and we know he can't actually swim in coins. He would die if he did a headfirst dive into coins. But took a swim in his riches. Here's what you need to do. Every morning, every morning, take a swim in Ephesians 1 for you. Put your name in that slot. Read it for you. Every morning, take a swim in the riches of God and the promises that he has for you. Believe it. Accept it. Believe it. Take a swim every day. It'll take every day because there's a lot to overcome in your heart because you think a whole lot less of you than God thinks of you. And rewiring the script in your own life is a process of bringing you out of a fallen place to a redeemed place, a transformative 
powerful place. And he will take you there. But you have to listen and you have to believe him. It's a relationship. Number three, respond to the revelation of your identity. When you're receiving your identity from the Lord, you're listening to his script for you in Ephesians chapter 1. Walk in that identity. Let that play itself out in the choices that you make. You know, if your script about you is that you're insignificant, maybe you start running into some things about the script that you're using you didn't know about. That you really have this undercurrent in your life that you're insignificant or that you're not important or that you're not worthy of love. You've got an undercurrent that you were unaware of. And the way it gets exposed is begin to try to believe what God says about you. And you realize, I have a trouble. I'm having trouble here. And you, it begins to expose some things. I, I'm trying to create my own identity. I'm being something I'm not. You're going you're gonna to run into some things. Lean in. Let the Lord have it. Let him have his way. Let him rewire that in your heart. Respond to the revelation of your identity and begin to act in accordance with your Identity in Christ. If you believe the script that God has for you, it will change the way you live your life. It will change the choices that you make. It will, re, it will change the way you react to others in your relationships. The way you treat people. Decisions and choices that you make. It will flow all the way into all those nooks and crannies of your life. And by the time we get to Ephesians, you'll see what all that means. Queen Victoria was a queen in England from... 1837 to 1901, 64 years, if I'm doing the math right on that, 64-year reign. That is a long time for a queen to reign in one country. I mean, if you look at the kings and queens, I mean, this is, 64 years is a, a really long time. But when she was a child, um, she was kind of misbehaving and, and getting in a lot of trouble. She had an attitude of kind of carelessness and rebelliousness and, and that sort of thing. Um, well, it was it said that, that one day, that she, as a child, she was in a session with her tutor. You know, she didn't go to school with the other kids. Uh, she had a t tutor come to her house uh, or whatever, castle, and tutor her. And, um, and she was in her session with her tutor and, of course, being trained because she's royalty and she's going to be trained as royalty. Um, and he's... Uh, this tutor is, is, is walking her through a teaching on the history of the kings and queens of England throughout the centuries. I mean, I, and you can see it's a, a long list of names and dates and how long they ruled and reigned and all of those sorts of things. And she was reading through a chart, and I like to think that she was kind of running her finger down the chart of the kings and queens of England all the way through the years. Um, but as she, she started looking through this chart, her finger sort of came to some names that she recognized in her own life. Oh, that's uh, Poppy and Grammy or whatever. And that, oh, I know, I know my great-grandparents. And that, oh, okay, I knew, and I know them. And she starts seeing those names. Um, and and, and, and she, her finger kept running down the deal, though. And then it began to go into uh, all the potential royalty, all of those who are in line for royalty. And she recognized, I think it was her uncle or something who was next. But she kept running her finger down, and it ended, and the tutor had put, her name in there and and her finger ran to her name and of course the tutor watching um will it click will it click uh well in that moment she saw her name and she was hit with the enormity of the reality that she'll be queen 
very likely she's going to be queen. And she stared at her name for a minute, and she began to cry. And after a few minutes, she stated this, I am nearer to the throne than I thought. So she started thinking about, oh, my goodness. I, I, I thought maybe it was I'm too far from the line and I'm not, you know. And she says, I'm nearer than I thought. But then the Victoria's governess stated that she said this about that moment. She said, now, now many a child would boast. In other words, I'm going to be queen, right? She says, now many people would respond that way, but they don't know the difficulty. She started crying because she began to feel the weight, the weight of the calling. Uh, there is much splendor, but there is more responsibility. And she began to feel the calling on her life. Who she was. Her life was more than just her and her wishes. She had a high calling. And then it says, after which she put her uh, forefinger in the air and declared, I will be good. You see in that moment, she says, when she came to understand the enormity of who she was and her life and her value and her calling shaped the way she saw the daily decisions that she was making. And when we know who we are and we know what God says about us, we'll find that choices do matter. Choices matter. And when you receive what God says about you as your primary skip, script, let it find its way into the daily choices by faith in your life. Walk in it. Make your choices according to it. And, and watch God work. Watch God take you where he wants you to go. Watch God use your life for his purposes. Watch the trajectory of your life and see the purpose of God play out in and through you and in your life. Walk in your God-given identity. Preserve that in your heart. Protect it in your heart. And walk it out in your life. So over the next few weeks, I want us as a church, receive and believe the reality of who we are in Christ. Get in Ephesians 1. Bathe in it every day. Let it define who you are. Let's respond appropriately in our lives to who God says we are. And let's spend the next few weeks allowing God to work powerfully in us. Letting him tell us and fill us with who we are. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this moment. And we thank you for your word. And as we just sit in this for just a second, processing what we just received, Lord, I just want to pray for someone in this room who may have a grip knowing who they are. They know God loves them, but they're not living in accordance with that. They're not being who they are. And they know of areas in their life they're not being who they are. And Lord, would you secure that? Lord, there may be people in the room that are struggling with a different script and they just can't seem to make the transition to seeing who they are in, in you and the glorious riches in Christ and their identity. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you do as Paul prayed, we pray. Enlighten our hearts and make it reality. Rewire our brains and the way we think about ourselves. Lord, form our identity in you totally. 
And Lord, another person in the room might be a person you died for. You died to be able to forgive them, but they're in their sins. And they've never asked you to come into their heart to forgive them of their sins and transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And they're here this morning and they know that spirit of God, you are drawing them to yourself. And I pray today, if you're in this room and the spirit of God is working on your heart, you know that's a step you have not taken. You need to cross the line of faith and ask God who loves you, displayed his love for you on the cross. Everything needed for you to be forgiven and washed and enter into a child of God is there and it's available. But you need to take that step and you need to take that step this morning. Here's how you do it. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. (laughs) But I know you died for sinners. And you died for me. And today I step across the line. I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin, but I turn to you. Wash me of my sins. Cleanse me from within. Make me your child. Grant me your grace. My life is yours. Take me. Save me. Use me. From this day forward, teach me what it looks like to walk with you. Be my Lord and my Savior. Father, we just meet all of us where we are in this room. Lead us to the place of your joy and your peace and fill our hearts abundantly this morning. Take this time of response. Take us where you want us to go. It's all yours. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We stand all across the room. Let's sing this song. Let's pray. Let's get with God.